Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Amen. Hey, would you, would you turn in your Bibles to First uh, Samuel chapter thirty, verse three? I'm gonna I'm gonna go forward where we left off last week. There's going to be this is a this is probably a note taking day. I'm gonna give you some principles about how God wants to promote you, not just men this morning. Men, women, all of God's people. I'm going to give you some principles today in David's life. And, and you're going to want to write some of these things down. Just write down the ones that the Holy Spirit just leads you to, okay? You don't have to, you don't have to dic, you know, take dictation here this morning. But just, just write down the ones that the Spirit of God gives to you. We're going to look at this verse here. Just, just one verse. Verse 3, it says, David and his men came to Ziklag. How many of you know what Ziklag means? How many of you know what it means? Let me help you out. It means pushed down. It means pressed down. That's what it means. You know? How many ever felt pushed down? Let me take you back to the playground. You could push me down on the playground one time. Right? Come on. That's on you. But, but the next one's on me. You push me down twice, I'm going to have to push. Right? Oh, just me. Okay. Yeah. It's like there's a lot of estrogen in here this morning. I want to talk to the testosterone in the room. You got it too, ladies. Listen, it, the devil wants to push you down. The devil wants to hey what hey yeah. Devil wants to devil wants to push you around. The devil wants to shove you. He's a bully. He's not listen. He's not play. He's not he's not playing on the playground. He's out to hurt. Steal, kill, and destroy doesn't mean let's go, let's go get on the swings. Let's do the monkey bars together. When he gets on the playground with you, he's there to, he's there to insult you. He's there to assault you. He's there to push you down and humiliate you. He's not into humility. He's into humiliation. Your God will allow you to be humble, but, but the enemy wants to humiliate you. And he doesn't play. He'll always take you farther than you want to go. He's a bully. He's, a, he's, he's there to push on you. David comes to this place. David and his men come to Ziklag. And behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. You're about to hear in just a moment, this is probably one of the darkest moments in David's life. And I'm going to give you a little bit of retest of last week after I pray, and then we'll go a little bit forward in what God does at Ziklag. How many of you know that God will take your place of pain and make it the same place of promotion. I'm here to tell you this morning, Ziklag was the place where Psalms 23 was written. You're going to find out this morning that you don't have to chase crowns. Crowns are coming to you. Did, did you know that? The Bible tells you that in Revelation. There's five different crowns we know for sure in the New Testament. But you're going to be crowned. A crown is coming to you. You don't have to chase some type of esteem. You don't have to chase promotion. Promotion is coming to you, but it's coming in the same place as the place of pain. That's where it's coming. Ziklag. In the same place you're pushed down, that's where God shows up and blesses you and touches you. And Oh, wow, man. this is I got so much, man. It's like this should be a two-parter, but it's going to be a one-parter. So just, I hope you didn't eat breakfast this morning. You're at the buffet. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to get into your word today so that every life in here that knows you and has a relationship with you will know that God 
if they meet a place of pain, God, promotion's coming. If they're in a place of pain, power's coming. God, if they're in a place of enemies, that God, that's the same place where you prepare a table. <laughs> God, help us to hear the dinner bell. Not the bell that says we're knocked out. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You prepare a table for us, Lord, in the presence of our enemies. God, the same place, God, we come to where we think there's a fight, you bring food. Hallelujah. We receive it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on. Amen, amen. All right, all right. All right. So, last week, let's cover it. David, he is solving problems for Saul. We know that Saul is a giant. We talked about how Saul rules through fear and intimidation. We see a picture or a type of the enemy, fear and intimidation. Saul stands head and shoulders above all the rest. And then the Bible says that once he becomes king, David is anointed in the meantime, comes into and plays his holy guitar for Saul and drives the evil spirit away from time to time. This doesn't last long. Nobody else can be your Holy Spirit or your presence of God. You've got to get your own. How many of you know this morning? Stop saying, Pastor, I want to be fed and feed yourself. I'll put a bib on you even. Feed yourself. You don't need milk. You need meat. Now, now here's what, here, here's what David did. He played for King Saul. He didn't get bitter. He got better. And in the midst of ministering to his king, his king began to get jealous of him and started throwing javelins at him. And you know, he's doing the matrix. He's, he's, he's finding ways to, he's, he's shucking and jiving, man. He's finding ways to miss, you know, and he's still loving Saul. He's still blessing Saul. Finally gets to the point to where he realizes his life is in jeopardy and his wife, which is Saul's daughter and his brother-in-law, Jonathan, help him escape. He escapes and he's on the run. Say on the run. The Bible never, the Bible in the, especially in the New Testament has never called us to be runners. We are walkers. We are walkers. We walk by faith, not by sight. You're not to run. You're not to be intimidated and move. The, earlier this morning when I was, when I was praying, I talked about standing. Ephesians 6 says, when you've done all to stand, comma, stand. In other words, I'm out of gas. Do I still stand? Comma, stand. How many times does it say stand? Twice. When you've done all to stand, come on, church, come on. Oh, my lanta. Now, bring it up a notch or else. I have to get in that aisle with you, man. Now, here's what David does. He's on the run, and we already start to see that he's not walking in the power and the anointing that he should have. And he ends up in Gath. This is Philistine territory. This is enemy territory. I broke down what Gath means uh, to you last week. I know in the English language we spell it with an A, but in Hebrew and in Aramaic language during that time, it's with a G. It's short for Gethsemane. This is the same place Jesus later at another location finds a place of pressing where the oil is pressed. Jesus is now praying there, trusting God, believing his Father in a hard place. Say hard place. It's also the same place of oil. You want anointing, but do you want a hard place? Do you want the pressing or just the power? God says, I'll give you the power, but it's in a place of pressing. Now, Gath or Geth 
is in a in Philistine territory, in enemy territory. How many of you know that God can even bless you on the run and even give you something more than you even bargained for? He can still bless you, and he does. It's in a tough place, though. He is now before the king. Remember his name, Achish, or Abimelech. He is the enemy king. And for your notes, his name means father, Abimelech, Achish, fear. Father, fear. I want you to see how hard of a place that David is in right now. He is stuck, jammed. You ever have a jam sandwich? You know what that is. Two pieces of bread jammed together. He's in a tight space. He's in a jam. He's run, running from Saul, and he's in front of Father Fear. And the Bible says, and we see that Psalms 34 is written there, the Bible says he plays a fool. He starts to act like he's mad. He starts to act like he's, he's an idiot, like he's crazy. My wife and I call it the nut roll. We meet people that play the nut roll all the time. You're smarter than you really are acting. And, but if you play the nut roll, nobody has to expect anything from you. Oh, you don't know anybody like that at all. That just play a fool. When the reality is they know what they're doing. You know, they're just not showing their cards, right? So he's playing a fool. Father Fear says, we got nothing to worry about here. I know he killed Goliath, but he's okay, boys. He's all right. David now is seeking to save his own life. Here is an anointed man of God, full of authority and power, and he's in front of the enemy playing a fool. God never intended for you to be that way. God intended for you to be not just a conqueror, more than a... You don't play a fool. You can stand in authority in what God has given you. Now he's on the run again. But this time, this father, Abimelech, father, Achish, fear says, it's okay if, if David hangs out in Ziklag. Guys, it's all right. He's no real threat to us. Fast forward to Ziklag. He's there for a year and four months. Saul now is killing all of the prophets in Israel. These are all the people that hear from God. And Saul is murdering him. It's getting worse. On top of that, we've got a problem called the Amalekites. They're filling the nation and robbing the nation and the people of all their goods. And David is at a place where the Bible says, this is very interesting, all of those that are distressed, say distressed, and in debt, and another word, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of articulate my own here a little bit, uh, uh, depressed, okay? These type of people, let me read it for you here. It says in 1 Chronicles 12, 8, Mighty men of valor, men trained for battle, who can handle the, sheer, the spear, uh, shield the spear, whose faces are like the faces of lions and are swift as gazelles on the mountain. Who are these guys? The mighty men of valor? The same guys that show up that are busted and disgusted. The same guys that show up that are in debt, in distress, and depressed. They surround themselves with David at Ziklag. Let, let, let me just remind you, this is gonna, this is gonna help you, I think. I hope it does, because it, 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 I have to remind myself of this from time to time. You know, in a place where God is training me and preparing my character so that I'm able to stay in a place my gifting takes me, did you know your gifting will take you places your character won't keep you? Just because you're anointed doesn't mean, doesn't mean you're there. Did you know the anointing is always early? Say, Pastor, what am I talking? What, what, what's anointing? Anointing 
is what comes on you when you have authority and power. And in David's case, for kingship. It came 15 years early. 15 years early. God, I thought you told me I'd be king. God, I, well, I just can't wait to be king. You're not there. You've never seen Lion King? You're about to put it back out. It's going to be awesome. Everybody's looking around. What is Lion King? We got a long way to go in this church. I'm going to tell you right now. We got to figure some things out. So Simba wants to be king, and he knows he's going to be king. But Simba has to develop his character. You've seen the movie, and so does David. And David, in this place, has to be developed. Just because he's gifted and anointed doesn't mean he's going to be where God wants him to be or do what God has called him to do yet. He's at Ziklag, and he gets surrounded by people who are not very supportive. In fact, I'm going to show you in just a minute, these are the same people that absolutely attempt to kill him. And in fact, it comes to a point at Ziklag where they pick up stones and they're ready to murder him. These are the guys that David encouraged. And if I can land the plane anywhere this morning, it will be that. These are the guys that David was investing in for a year and four months. And they're at Ziklag. And they're at this place where he's taking care of the busted and disgusted. Those that are in debt, distressed and depressed. And he's pouring into them. And he's pouring into them. Sounds like pastoring. And then they turn around. And in the next moment, they're ready to kill him. I don't know. Maybe people like Jesus went through that. The same people that said, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna is literally save us now. Your king, not Rome. Are the same people a week later that say crucify. Man, people are just tricky. The same ones that want to hold your hand, want to squeeze your throat. Tricky people. What happens? Circumstances. Circumstances. David is at this place in, in Ziklag. He's, he's now warring with the Amalekites, but they do something called guerrilla warfare. While he's off with his 400 men, taking care of business, cleaning the nation of all the trouble that Saul should be cleaning out. He's doing the job of the king, but he's not getting the privilege of kingship. While he's doing that, the Amalekites come in and destroy all of their homes and take away all the wives and all the women and all the children. And the Bible says that David's men cried out, 400 of them, cried out all at once, wept and wailed. Then the Bible says they went to pick up stones and they said, buddy, you stink. It's your fault. You're the, you're the reason why. Now, can you just, can you just look at the array of enemies David has? Look at all the enemies he had. He's not only got an enemy in Saul, that's from his own family, that's his father-in-law, it shouldn't be an enemy. He's not only got an enemy with the Philistines. You remember he killed Goliath, later he kills most, most of the giants and he runs the Philistines out. Now he's got another enemy that actually comes from his, his own two. The Amalekites are the offspring of Esau. You remember Esau? What, is this too deep today? You remember when Esau didn't want the blessing, sold the blessing for a bowl of soup? He said, I don't want that. The Bible even says because he did that, that God, God had this hatred toward that act. The, the Edomites are eventually wiped out. 
They're the, they're the source of the Amalekites. And now here are the cousins coming against them and destroy them. So that's three enemies. Count them three. Saul, right? The Philistines, right? Still with me? The Amalekites. Ready for number four? Your own peeps. Your own mighty men. Because circumstances have changed, we're not so happy with you. We're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. I love what happens in the story. The Bible says quite literally, it's so powerful that the Bible, Bible says take, David goes to the edge of the cage of Adullam. Where is Adullam? Where is this cave? Oh, men don't go into caves, do they? Adullam means rest, testimony, comfort. Some Bible scholars say that this cave directly overlooks a valley where that first battle occurred where David slew Goliath. Listen, if you can't find a place to rest, find the last place where you've seen God's victory. Go ahead and wait for God to show up again. Just remember that's the same place of pain. Just remember that's the same place of power. Just remember that's the same place of brokenness. Just remember that's the same place of blessing. Just remember that power and promotion and pain, same place. Same place. And he looks out and he sees that. And the Bible says this, it's so powerful. David encouraged himself. No, you didn't get that. You know, this is not in Western thinking. They're all ready to kill him. Everybody hates him. This isn't Saul killed us thousands. David killed us tens of thousands. Come on, church, wake up. David killed us what? This is that lion, stinking, crummy. Let's get him. Let's kill him. And the Bible says he goes to the mouth of the cave. And the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. A couple of a, a couple of uh, misconceptions, myths that I believed early on about Christianity that were wrong, wrong, wrong. Myth number one. If God calls me, I'm ready. No, nope. <laughs> no. Nope. Anointings are early. Callings are early. Make your calling and election sure, the Bible says. They're early. Just because you're called, you don't get a get out of training free card. You got a season ahead of you. God doesn't call the qualified. He call he qualifies the call. So you're gonna get you're gonna get a season. You're going to get a Ziklag. And David got his. Another misconception I believed early on. If I obey God, people will support me and encourage me. <laughs> no honking way. Do yourself a big favor. If you're not called to lead in ministry, don't. Don't. You say, well, pastor, you're just really making me want to do ministry. Hey, man, I'm on your side. If you ain't called to do it, you, you won't make it. Are you called to do something? Yeah, but not everybody's called to lead. And it will not be popular. If you do the right things, I guarantee you, as soon as the anointing hits your head, there's going to be problems. Hello, it was for David. As soon as he was anointed, what happens to him? He gets to, while still smelling like goat dung, he gets to push a cheese cart to the battlefield he doesn't get to act like a king. 
and the smell of anointing meets the smell of sheep dung, meets the smell of cheese sandwiches. And that's where he defeats Goliath, but he still isn't king. Did you know, not only is he anointed 15 years early, he's anointed three different times. And it would be 15 years before he's anointed the last time king of all of Israel. In between was a lot of pain. Do not, do not think people are going to support you all the time. They're not. And if there's one thing I've known of 31 plus years now of pastoring, is that people are going to pick up rocks. And they do. And if you can't learn to encourage yourself in the Lord, you'll die at Ziklag. Not a hard message. I'm just, I, I want you to win. This is not a hard message. Just because I'm preaching it hard, don't mean it's hard. You have to learn. This is not in Western mentality because we think encouragement always has to come from people. People are poor encouragers. I'm telling you, man, they're not going to do it. Even the people you love the most, even the people you've invested in for four, a year and four months of your life, you're going to say, guys, guys, it ain't over till it's older. I don't see a fat lady singing yet. Guys, this the story ain't over. Come on, guys. No, you're dead. They took my woman. You're gone, buddy. And they burnt our house down. And they got my kids. And you're dead. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're dead. Who are these guys? I just read you the verse. These are the mighty men. How did they become mighty men? They hung out with somebody who learned how to encourage himself. This is a lesson I've got to teach you this morning because you will have ziklags, really dark places where you face almost everybody. And nobody, not even the people that love you the most or that you've invested in are going to invest back in you the way that you need it. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged in the Lord. And the Bible says only 600 went with him. They were ready to kill him, but they said, okay, you get one more shot. They go after these punks and they find him. I love David, man. I wish we had more Davids in this world today. I, I, just, I just find too many men, as soon as the chips are down, they're ready to just get up from the table and walk away. David said, it ain't over till it's over. We don't know where our, our wives or our kids are at yet. The Bible says they, they find him. They catch up with him. But 200 say, we're too tired. Say, too tired. Boy, ain't that the truth. I'll tell you another misconception. You think, you think the people you start with to be the people you end up with? Let me tell you something about ministry. If you stay at what God calls you to do over the years, it takes years, by the way. Who you end up with are not the people you start with. If you're not careful, you will put way too much authority and power and, 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 and feeling into the people that you're currently with when they aren't even the ones that you're going to end with. Well, I've seen that before. I've seen God take a whole church. I'll make you uncomfortable. Here you go. I've seen God take a whole church and in 10 years make it brand new people. And then I've seen the same people that are in that same church over 10 years become brand new people too. <laughs> you're not going to end with who you start with. Oh, yes, we will. <laughs> Whatever. It, it don't work like that. 200 of them got tired and quit. That's okay. 
That, that's okay. 400 of them went and continued. You know what they did? They caught up with the enemy. And went, you know what they found? They found their wives and they found their kids and they found all of the plunder. They grabbed it all, took it all back. Now they got double for the trouble because not only do they have their belongings back, but they got all of the enemy stuff too. I like this story already. Boy, now it's getting better. It's like somebody turned on the air conditioning in here. Boy, it just got so much better, didn't it? Huh. And you know what happens? Now we're celebrating. Now we're, now we're seriously happy. Now we're thrilled. Now we're excited. You say, Pastor, I'm excited. Pastor, I want to have a place of blessing like that. Pastor, I want to see double for my trouble. You will, but are you willing to stop running? See, you've got to run to the problems, not from them. This is the moment in David's life when he encouraged himself in the Lord where everything changed. He's not under father fear anymore. He's not under Saul anymore. He's not on the run anymore. Now he's running to the enemy. Now he's on offense. How many of you know that's a great defense? And he goes on the offensive and everything changes. Everything changes. I want that for you so much. But I wonder if you're willing to go through the whole season where nobody likes you. I wonder if you've got to have constant affirmation. This is tough because everybody likes it. Everybody likes a little, a little pat on the back. How you doing? You did a good job. I'm so glad you're here today. How are you doing? Oh, that's so good. How are you? Oh, I'm happy you're here too. Good job. You made it. <laughs> awesome. Oh, he barely made it. You know, you can always count on your wife to throw you right under the bus, man. <laughs> I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. Oh, boy. I wonder if you're willing to go through a season where nobody encourages you. And then at, at the very end of your rope where you realize the whole world is against you, you're willing to realize that encouragement is your job. It's your job. It's your job. And that's what turned the tide for him. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I got so much more. We'll, maybe next week, but I want to give you just a couple of principles at the end. Can I do that? Because this Ziklag place is so cool, man. It's so cool. <laughs> I'm like picking and choosing because there's so many parts of it through the Bible, Old Testament and New. All right, all right, all right. So, this is the place where David comes to and he writes the 23rd Psalm. And if you think about that for a minute, you start to see things like the Lord or Yahweh is my Rohi, my shepherd. I'm not going to want for anything. Here's a guy saying, I won't want for a thing in the midst of having everything taken from him. His wife, his children, his possessions, his kingdom. That he was promised. He has no friends. He has nothing. Everybody wants to destroy him. And yet he says, I won't want for a thing. Hallelujah. Praise God. I won't want for a thing. I won't want for a thing. And then he, then he talks about following this shepherd. And where does this shepherd lead him? Into, into safe pasture. To, to lie down. 
I love how it says, he makes me lie down. Do you know that sometimes God has to make you? God has to say, look, you, look, uh, be still and know that I'm God. Let, let, I got this. Will you just stop, please? Will you just hold it? You need rest. Rest in me and know. How many of you know in Exodus chapter 14, 13, and verse 14, it says, be still and let the Lord win the battle. All you need to do is be what? All you got to do is be still. Let him handle it. The battle belongs to the Lord. And then it comes to a pivotal point. There's all kinds of stuff that can be preached in there. But what I love the most is when David says, you know what, God? You know what? I've encouraged myself in you. You know what's so awesome, God? Is in the same place of all of these. It does not say enemy. It says enemies. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Plural. You're not going to have just one. Congratulations. You're not going to have just two. David had four sets. Saul, Philistines, the Malachites, and his own peeps. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, what do you do at a table? I know what to do. You don't have to tell me. I got the whole table thing figured out. But I wonder if you do, Martha. Well, I'm just going to get busy. There's a table. I need to get busy. The Lord's here. I need to get busy. I need to do more things. I wonder if you can sit at his feet. What do you do at a table? All you do is just get find your chair. Come on, just like you do in here every Sunday. It's awesome how you do it. You just find your chair, and what you do? You sit your pretty self down because it's prepared. It's prepared. The same place of many enemies. Are we recording this? I'm going to play it back next week and just let you a minute because you missed a few today. I'm going to take the Sunday off. I'm serious. I ain't playing. In the same place of enemies, God's prepared a table. And I, just like I prayed this morning, don't hear the knockout bell. You should be hearing the dinner bell. If you're in a place where you're surrounded by circumstances that are painful and surrounded by enemies, just know that's the same place. God has prepared a table for me. And he's asked me to sit down. All I got to do is sit down and receive. He's got this. He's got this. He's got this. And that's where David writes the 23rd Psalm. He does it in faith because he learned how to encourage himself in the Lord. One more thing about Ziklag. I got more, but one more thing. And then I'll, I'll break down what encouragement means. Because in Western thinking, we don't, we don't understand the word. The, the word is made up of three parts. We don't, we don't get it. We don't get it. But we will. I will. We will. Ziklag is the place of pain. But it's also the place of promotion. Because 15 years from the moment of David's anointing to the moment where he's now going to be declared king, the crown, the crown comes to Ziklag. <sighs> not at the throne, not at Jerusalem, not at Bethlehem, where he's from. It comes to 
Ziklag. Let me give you the verse. Let me give you the text. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 10. You see, there's a war. Saul goes out with his son, Jonathan. They fight a final war. How many of you know God will take care of the people in your family and the people that don't love you the way they should? You don't have to do it. God will. Again, that text is 2 Samuel, sorry, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. I want to show you this in a minute. They go off to war. Saul falls on his own sword. Jonathan dies there too. The enemy is destroyed. He's defeated. The enemy's done. An Amalekite picks up the crown. An Amalekite picks up the crown, then goes and runs and finds David. And where does he find David? The throne? Jerusalem? Bethlehem? Ziklag! I got the text. I just gave it to you. It's right there in front of you. Where is the crown coming? Ziklag. The place where you got pushed down is the same place you're going to get promoted. My knees can't take much more of that. I need to quit. I do exercise. Be nice. I ain't that fat. People yell out stuff, you know. You want some of this? All right, so... This is what I love. He's anointed for the crown, but never has to chase it. Can I tell you this morning prophetically, stop chasing crowns. They're coming to you. And God will arrange the circumstances and the situations. God has all of the... He's playing and setting up the world like dominoes to just fall on your behalf. And if you'll just stay where you're supposed to be and do what he's called you to do, the very crown that God has said is yours is coming to you. You're going to get blessed if you'll just be patient and ziklag. Look, look, here's what happens. It says, this man is captured in ziklag. He said to me, who are you? And I answered him, I'm an Amalekite. Then he said to me, please stand beside me and kill me. For agony has seized me because my life still lingers in me. So I stood behind him and killed him. He was the enemy. Because I knew that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown, which was on the head, and the bracelet, which was on his arm. Speaking of Saul here, pardon me. And I have brought them here to you, my Lord. The, the Amalekite said, I watched Saul die. And I seen his crown fall. And I realize, even though I'm the enemy, I realize this crown belongs to you. <laughs> so here you go. Isn't that like God to equip you with the things that you can't give yourself? You, 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 you think David killed Goliath with a stone and a sling? The Bible doesn't say that. He took off Goliath's head with Goliath's own sword. What's coming against you is going to equip you. You say, I don't have enough. Just use what you got. Well, what, what do I got? Well, I got two loaves and a few fish. What do I got? I've got a little bit of oil. I got a little bit of pancake. I can make one pancake and me and my family would die. No, 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 no. Just use what you got. Just give God what you got. Well, it's a sling and it's some stones. That's okay. Make sure you pick out five because Goliath has got some big, burly, nasty-looking, hairy brothers. And let God show up with the rest. And God used the enemy to bring David his crown. You say, Pastor, I can't leave today until you tell me how to encourage myself in the Lord. Okay, all right, okay. 
but I'm going to need somebody. I'm going to need some help. Uh, Casey, would you come help me, sir? Yes, give him a hand. There he is. Thanks for coming up because it's a tough crowd today. You're, gonna, you're about to see what I'm going to see. Get a load of this. A lot of unhappy people. <laughs> I know it, man. I know it. I know it. Okay, you're going to be my buddy in just a second. I want to read a verse to you. I want to show you how encouragement really works. Because the same word for encouragement in the New Testament is the same word for comforter. It's the same word that God uses for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need your spirit. I need His. You, you might bring me a little something-something from your spirit. That's okay. That's an hors d'oeuvre. If I want T-bone, I'll go to him. You might give me a little, little, little appetizer of encouragement. That's just great. I love you too. But you might pick up a, a, a rock tomorrow. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take him. And I'll wait, and I'll do what he calls me to do, and I'll wait in Ziklag. He'll bring the crown to me, and I'll be faithful. Here's what John 14, 16 says. And I will ask the Father, Jesus speaking here, and he will give you another comforter. All right, so when we hear comforter in the NIV or in the English language, we get this picture that, that, that is really incomplete because our Western eyes have lenses. And, and, and so when we hear comforter, I almost hear, my wife has like uh, 20, 20 blankets in our house that are all like, yeah, they're everywhere, comforters, okay? And it's just like, put them on, put them on. Put, you know, I mean, just comfort. I feel so comfortable. I feel comfortable. You know, and I just find, you know, these blankets are, that's a comforter, right? That's not what God, no, no, no. Does he want to bring you peace? Yes. Does he want to, does he want to surround you in his peace and his assurance? Yes. But it's incomplete in its understanding. You know this about the Holy Spirit. You know, the, you know, the word here in the original language in the New Testament is paraclete. You, you know it means more than just comfort you. Yeah, and I'm going to ask that you turn, sir, and you're just the right size man for this, okay? Because you're not much bigger than me, but just about right. Okay, so, all right. So here's what it means. A paraclete in battle, in Greek battles, a paraclete is your battle partner. You see, he's the person that fights with you. He is the person that has your, he is the person that will fight the battle with you. And if everybody else has run, if everyone else has abandoned you, if everyone else stands against you, you just know that the Lord isn't. You just know that the Holy Spirit is ready to fight with you and for you. He has got your other side, your back. He's your paraclete. He's your battle partner. He's ready to go to war with you. How about an hoorah? Hoorah! Thank you, sir. God bless you. Awesome. Yeah, let's give him a hand. He's good looking and fun. So, so, so what David did was, he said, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. There's a fight coming. And this time we're not running. And we're going to get our, we're going to get our families back. I don't know. Do we need, is there a fight coming to the United States? Is there a fight coming in our culture? I don't know. I don't, is there a fight coming? You drive down Main Street, you don't see a fight coming? Come on. And I ain't talking about social media. Well, I'll just get on social media and tell the world. Well, that's fine. That's okay. But if that's all you got, come on, dude. You need a bigger sword than that. That's like an envelope opener. Get something big out. There's a fight coming, and I'm going back for the families. I'm going back for my wife. I'm going back for my kids. I'm going back for God's stuff. And I'm going to find 
those little boogers. I'm going to take them out. And that's just what he does. And how does he do it? He encourages himself by the Spirit of the living God, his battle partner, the guy that has his back, the guy that fills him with encouragement. See, in our language, we hear encouragement and we hear E-N. But encouragement doesn't begin with E-N. The etymology of encouragement begins with an I-N. In. In. Courage. In. Courage. Meant. State of being. In. Something you're inside of. Oh, you're you're doing well. Thank you. So I get inside of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I get inside of a place of praise. I get in the courage of the Holy Spirit, my paraclete. The presence of the living God is upon me. I remember this presence. It's the same thing that come upon me that was all over me that I was in when I seen that bear attacking Jesse's, my dad's sheep, and I slew that bear. That's the same encouragement that I got inside when I seen that lion coming to attack the sheep and I ripped his head off, man. That's the same courage that came on me when I seen that big six-finger, hairy, nasty-looking, B.O.-smelling Goliath. And I said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would speak against the armies of the living God? You're going down, buster. It was there then. It can be here now. Give God some praise. Come on.